Philly 215 Questions Podcast, where two guys ask what the one thing is for five different questions to a GFN Philly member. The two guys asking the questions are Bowen Nahr and myself, Jim Murphy. Hey, Bowen, what's going on? Hey, Jimmy. We are pleased to welcome our guest, Meredith Carter, President and CEO at Context Business Lending. Hey, Meredith, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's kick off the show. Question number one. What's the one thing from your story that's important for people to know? I came into the specialty finance world with a bit of a different background than most. I started my career as a lawyer in private practice and spent seven years doing that before I left to join a client of the firm's who was uh, growing a litigation funding business. And we sold that to a UK-based funder and liked the family office very much. And they invited me to see if we could grow the asset-based lending business, which I'm now running. There you go. So the thing that people need to know about you is that you're just so exceptional that when someone works with you, they refuse to ever let you go. They're like, we're spinning off. We're selling this. You're coming with us. I think the opposite. Maybe I was hanging on too long that (laughs) they couldn't get rid of me. But yeah, I think the point is when opportunity knocks, we were talking a little bit before about sunk costs. It's hard to put aside the years of education and kind of mental focus on becoming one thing only to walk out the door and make the decision to be something else. Take that leap when opportunity knocks. It's really great advice. And it's always remarkable to me, even after almost a decade and a half in recruiting, how many people I talk to that are top performers that have never had to go and look for or search for a job because someone they worked with had moved on to another organization and then tapped them and said, hey, come with me. They've been recognized by someone who's a little more forward in their career, a little higher up, and they just pull them along. So it's a great feather in your cap. You're doing something right at that. Well, I think the secret that most lawyers say to each other, but uh, maybe won't say out loud, is if they knew how to get out, they would. <laughs> so I think that, that's the secret. <laughs> it reminds me in The Go-Giver, when he's talking about accepting help, kind of like breathing, just being mindful of that opportunity in front of you. I think that's a really important part that you mentioned early on in your first comment. Question number two. What's the one inspirational quote that you would share with the listeners? I read one fairly recently that he said a long time ago, Richard Branson said, train people well enough so they can leave, but treat them well enough so they don't want to. And that's a really approach that I've taken to leadership at Context Business Lending. I always say to everyone, how can we make sure you can move up without moving out and make sure they get the training to do what they want to do next? We spend a lot of time recruiting, recruit for culture, really genuinely enjoy spending time with everyone on the team and want to make sure it's a good progressive career experience for them as well. It's awesome advice, and that's a really great quote. I always love the one that they made into a meme where it's the uh, the CFO and the CEO of the exact same thing, where it's like, you know, what if we train our people and spend all this money and they leave? And then the CEO goes, what if we don't train them and they stay? <laughs> you want to train your people really, really well. You want to treat your people really, really well, and then they'll end up sticking around and doing well. And one of the things that I found fascinating, particularly in this market, as you're seeing the great resignation and a lot of people are leaving for greener pastures or a couple more bucks, is a ton of folks are boomerang back to certain organizations that have really great cultures. We're seeing that a lot too. A combination of culture and location, getting a lot of applications from people whose more traditional old school companies that say, you need to get back in the office and they've gotten used to working at home. And they say, you know what, I have more support with young children or whatever from working from home. We've learned that we can hire from anywhere. So we've really been the beneficiary of that. There's so many organizations that we're seeing that are just stealing talent away. These smaller, more dynamic organizations are able to steal that talent away by saying, hey, we understand that it's a brave new world. So long as you're getting your job done, we don't care. 
you give us a good work product, you figure out where you want to do it, and we're happy to have you. Exactly. You either have the trust in people or you don't, and uh, it goes beyond where they work. I was just about to mention trust. I think that's huge. I think a lot of people are looking back at the values of how they're going to spend their 40 plus hours a week. This has been a big eye opener for a lot of people that if you can go find someone that actually trusts you from above or from below, then it's a game changer. Rapid fire. Five questions. What's your one bucker podcast? The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And podcast either Work Life with Adam Grant, Philly guy, or Finding Mastery by Dr. Michael Gervais. What's your one album? This is a hard one. I'm not much of a music person. I'd rather listen to an audiobook or podcast, but going a little bit old school, I'd say Sugarland, The Incredible Machine. What's your one vacation destination? I would love to go to the Galapagos Islands. I've never been. Swim with the sea turtles and get to see, you know, real untouched nature. What's your one TV series? You're going to see my inner nerd now. Going back, seasons one and two of Sliders, you got to see, at least in a creative way, what the world would look like if different geopolitical decisions were made. But it's just interesting to see if choices went a different way, how the world would have been different. In other directions, more recently, I'd say either Outlander or Schitt's Creek. It's a good one. <laughs> it's on the comedy side. And what's your one movie? The Game, that was a, from a while ago, but it's really, if, I don't want to spoil the plot. I don't know how to talk about it without doing so, but definitely uh, worth a watch if you haven't. It's, uh, it leads you till the end thinking one thing and then really surprises you. Yeah, quite the twist at the end. I've already had so many people spoil it for me that I've never watched the movie. And I don't say this lightly as we're on episode 31, 32 here. Uh, this is the most eclectic list of rapid-fire answers we have ever got. I mean, the fact you pulled in a Jerry O'Connell TV show. I mean, this is, Sliders is amazing. I'm not even kidding. I, I don't know why it takes up so much real estate in my brain. But the episode where they think that they're home and then they realize they're not because the Golden Gate Bridge is actually painted blue. I think about that once a week. I don't know why. There was one where, I don't know if you saw the lottery one that kind of psychologically where you could get whatever amount of money you wanted from an ATM machine, but each dollar you took was one more chance that you would be put to death. And that's why the quality of life was so good. So they didn't have as many people. So you could live as high on the hog as you wanted, uh, you know, on the government, but you'd risk death. And it's kind of like the great social experiment that didn't actually have to happen, luckily. I can even tell you how that episode started. They are in a flight simulator and they go, how did we slide onto a plane? No, I really, I watch Sliders way too much. Welcome to our podcast, Sliders Recap. You guys are going to be talking Easter eggs and episodes. It's going to be a mess. Now I know why, Bone, you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption yet. You've been spending all your time watching Sliders seasons one and two. I was really hoping that Meredith was going to say your favorite movie is Wildcats with Jerry O'Connell. So it would just be Jerry O'Connell shit. And if he had like an album, we would just do Jerry O'Connell has an album. But, you know, it's fine. Question number four. What's the one charity or cause you would recommend to the listeners? Being on the board of Overbrook School for the Blind, I would absolutely say Overbrook School for the Blind. It was the first blind school in the country. Such a, an unbelievable institution with caring, giving people, and I can't think of a more worthy cause. The school is always just focused on let's knock down the walls and let's provide accessibility to education for people with blindness and other disabilities. My daughter, Hallie, attends Overbrook School for the Blind. She's been there since preschool, and now she's entering middle school. I, you know, I'm just blessed to be in this Philadelphia area, and our entire family is grateful for the school. It takes a community. Absolutely. It's near and dear to my heart, and amazing that they can run the age span of going out into the community when children are just born 
all the way through to the, the work life program that gives people a real chance to get out and work and have, have life skills on the back. Having that differently abled mindset instead of maybe calling it disability or someone that can't do something, it's kind of like pivoting. Let me change my perspective here and let's see if we can educate a little bit differently. The breakthroughs they have are amazing. I remember one board member telling me that there was a child who was six years old and had never communicated with his parents. And he was there, the board member, to witness the child signing on his mother's hand for the first time, I love you. And that was the first communication that he ever had. It's amazing. And the last question, what's your one tip for building a meaningful connection? Find common ground with people. We're all people at the end of the day. And there are things, whether it be sliders or common interests that, um, that you have in common with people. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to give of yourself and be vulnerable and, and get to that, that level of understanding with people. I was a social psychology major undergrad and uh, was in an intergroup relations lab for four years that was really founded on this premise of experimenting on undergrads, but having people uh, going into it who didn't know each other finding common ground and seeing how much better they could connect and work together um, once they found something in common. I love that. And to give another shout out to a, a local UPenn professor and colleague of Adam Grant, Stuart Diamond wrote my absolute favorite book I ever read on negotiating called Getting More. It pretty much comes down to find the common ground with people and you will be able to do so much more. And I tell everyone like this book changed not just the way that I negotiate, it changed my relationship with my friends, with my family, with my wife. It just changed how I interacted with people when you start looking for the things that you guys have in common, as opposed to trying to, you know, the win at all costs. I actually saw him present, I bought the book in person from him, and he talks about, he's like, the reason my book is called Getting More, because it is not a zero-sum game where you have to win and someone else has to lose. It's how can you get more? How can you help them get more? Maybe you can grow the pie. Maybe you can trade things of unequal value. There's just a lot of good stuff in there if you come from the place that you started with. And getting more out of life, I imagine, too, by, by building those connections. I'll have to check out that book. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, that's a great book, Bowen. And I think he was actually instrumental in the negotiation with the writers. During the writer's strike in Hollywood, yes. He, he tells a couple stories about that in that book. Common enemies. I, I think that's I think that's a term that he uses. But I think getting back to what Meredith mentioned, just having that common ground with people, I think that's a, a really great way to pick up. And you never know where it's going to take. It could be a personal relationship you build on, or maybe it's a and maybe a business opportunity as well. Yeah, I think that when you first meet people, you assume everything they say and do can be attributed to a personality characteristic. And then the more you get to know them, you realize that's just a situational one-off. So to add to that, it's you know, assume a place of grace when you're interpreting the words and actions of others and don't always assume the worst in people. Learn to perspective shift. And I think that that all goes back to, to finding the common ground. Great. Well, thanks again, Meredith, for coming on the GFN Philly 215 Questions Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun.